0: Freelancing for Journalists is sponsored by The Tax Farm, the accountancy service dedicated to freelancers, the self-employed
1: and small business owners. Imagine no more end of year panic or nasty tax surprises. The Tax Farm can't promise that they'll make you less busy, but they can promise to take away the grind of bookkeeping, freeing you up to do what you do best.
0: With a simple fixed fee, they make hiring an accountant easy. They're also offering our listeners an exclusive 15% discount
1: with the code FFJ15. You want to find out more? Then head to thetaxfarm.co.uk.
0: Hello and welcome to Freelancing for Journalists, the podcast that tells you everything you need to know about working for yourself.
1: I'm Emma Wilkinson, a freelance journalist specialising in health and medicine. And I'm Lily
0: Cantor, a freelance money, health and lifestyle journalist.
1: And we're back. Series three is here, everyone. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, so today we've got a really good topic and it's one I do tend to rant about quite a lot. Like, I can't, i it's, been one that I've been wanting to do for ages um, but first we're going to have a little catch-up about what we've been doing so far.
1: Yeah we've got lots to talk about, we've been really busy since uh, the last series of the podcast. Uh, we've done various talks to students at universities around the country about freelancing and um, we've kind of organised some new collaborations and you can hear all about those in our new free newsletter that we launched a couple of weeks ago to keep you all up to date on everything freelancing for journalists and in that newsletter hopefully the idea is that we will be um giving you some useful resources and top tips as well yeah
0: so we'll put that newsletter link in our show notes um it's also worth saying that our facebook group has been growing massively over the last um few months and it's it's really international now actually and people are posting stuff on there and engaging loads and helping each other out so that's really good to see Um, and another project we're really excited about is our journalism work experience initiative so we're linking up freelance journalists with journalism students and graduates who are looking for work experience we know that it's really hard at the moment to get work experience in newsrooms and we thought hey hang on we know loads of freelance journalists I bet they can help so we've got this initiative to kind of put them in touch with each other and we're going to do some training around it and again we'll put more info about that in our show notes. So um, as well as all the stuff we've been doing for Freelancing for Journalists obviously we've been busy with our own freelancing work Um, so yeah I mean I don't really know where to start with this but um, I suppose for me some of the sort of things been concentrating on recently is building up some new contacts um working for some new publications that have actually come out of old connections that i had and that kind of old adage of always kind of following editors when they leave a job to kind of see where they end up um that's worked out quite well for me um but i had a bit of a heart attack yesterday because um a load of pictures i got set I sent off and hadn't heard and been chasing chasing. I thought, oh nothing's gonna come of that. Suddenly I got an email saying, Yes, please, can we commission five double page spreads? When can you do them for? <laughs> kind of went into meltdown. Um and so Emma, I know you've been really busy writing profile pieces, but you're at the other end of this
1: now, aren't you? You're you're I am at the other finished. end, yeah. I've had a month of absolute craziness. I've been teaching Um, a module at Sheffield Hallam where we both teach I've been doing so many news shifts and so many features and so much and this was uh, (laughs) I don't know if it was my best decision but I agreed to take on 12 profile pieces Um, I had a deadline of about four weeks I think so I'd done all the interviews and then this week was writing them up so they're each 800 words so this week has been a a race against the clock to try and get them done for Monday's deadline and I've done 10 of them that feels so good I only have two left uh, and then yeah you can hold me to this but after this I am not taking on any new work for a couple of weeks I need to my brain needs a chance to calm down uh, shall we move on to the topic this week yes. which is da, 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 working outside London now this is very very up our street so I probably have mentioned a million times but I live in Sheffield Lily lives in Leicestershire, and I'm going to get in here before she does that I got where she lived wrong when I initially (laughs) wrote the script. It's not like I've known her, you know, for 20 years or however long it's been. Um, We're both lecturers at Sheffield Hallam University, so we do get asked about this a lot. Uh, So I did move down to London when I first started working as a journalist. I'm in health journalism and, and most of the specialist publications are based in London. But my goal was always that that would be temporary and that I would move back when I had some experience. And my goal was to always use freelancing as a way to do that, even though when I said I would do that, I didn't really understand what that meant. Um, I didn't know anything about freelancing. I just, that was what I just decided, how I would marry those two things living outside London and wanting to be a health journalist. And after five years, that is exactly what I did. Um, For a few years, I did do a commute to London part-time because I had a job share at the BBC. Uh, but for 10 years now I've been happily living and freelancing in Sunny Sheffield and I haven't regretted that decision for a minute so yeah Lily tell us about your non-London work yeah
0: well, I'm very proud to say I've never lived in London um, I've actually purposefully avoided it um, I'm not a massive fan of London if I'm completely honest um, it's a great place to visit uh, my sister lives there But I would absolutely hate living there and commuting across London um that doesn't mean I haven't moved around for work I've worked um in Wiltshire, Northamptonshire, um, Sheffield and then when I started freelancing that was from my um very middle England market town in Leicestershire um about six years ago but yes proud to have never lived or worked in London (laughs)
1: Excellent. So what would be your, just as the whole of London starts to hate us right now. So what would be your top tip on this week's topic, Lily? Don't live in London.
0: <laughs> no, but more seriously, if if you are living and um, working outside of London, it's very much about making connections in your local community. So finding out what's going on, what are the issues, what are people talking about, where are the online communities and also who are the local kind of publishers. Um, because other people won't have this. And even if you live in a big city, you know, you can focus on a ward, you know, one particular area and kind of try and make that the place where you find your stories. Um, when I started freelancing, I did a lot of work for local magazines. so I got in contact with all the sort of regional magazines in my area and I got a lot of work from them um, in the beginning as I was building up my portfolio before I sort of um, did more for the Nationals. Um, and more recently I had a really big scoop that I sold to a lot of national newspapers and that came out of my little market town. And the only reason I got that story was because I was local, um, she'd been contacted by lots of journalists from London and was really nervous about speaking to them, but because I literally lived around the corner and could pop round and interview her, this was just before COVID. she you know she spoke to me and I got the story so make the most of wherever you are there are you know stories everywhere what about you Emma what would your tip be
1: yeah so mine would be that at the moment it is so easy to network and make connections and work remotely because we're all doing it so I would seize the ball by the horns on that and um kind of just take every opportunity to, whether it's kind of webinars or social gatherings, things that are happening online that previously may have been in a specific location such as London that you couldn't travel to. So I can give an example for this. So I've been a member of the Medical Journalists Association for years, since, since, right since I started. And when I lived in London, I would go to all their events and awards dues and it was a really, really good way to network and, and meet people. In fact, you know, it's how I ended up getting a job at the BBC. Um, but since moving to Sheffield, I've not been able to take part in that, because I would have had to travel down to London every time there was an event or a meeting. Um, now, obviously because of COVID, they've put everything online, and so more recently, I've got stuck again, stuck in again, and I've attended webinars and I went to their annual meeting, and now I've been invited to be on their executive committee for that reason that I was outside London and that I could bring something else to the table and I kind of hope to kind of continue to help them find new ways to engage with members outside London.
0: Yeah and that's a really important point that you know you were unique because you were outside of London and and that's something you know it's good to remember that there are because there are so many journalists and freelance journalists in London you, you've actually got more of a unique selling point not being there. Okay right we've chatted on quite a bit now so I'm going to introduce our first guest. Um, we have Nicola Slawston. Hi Nicola. Hi. So Nicola began her journalism career at Positive News and in 2014 she was awarded the prestigious Scott Trust Bursary to study a Master's in newspaper journalism at City University. She then worked for Guardian and HuffPost UK Now she works as a freelance for The Guardian, Observer, Evening Standard. She's also written for the Sunday Telegraph, Observer, Independent, iNewspaper, Refinery29 and Metro.co.uk. Nicola also founded a successful newsletter for single women called The Single Supplement and co-runs life writing workshops called Write About Your Life. But in March, she moved from London to Shropshire, and has been aiming to prove you can still be a successful journalist despite not
1: living in the capital. (laughs) Uh, And we also have Danielle Hayden. Full disclosure here, Danielle was one of our students at Hallam many years ago. I remember Danielle well. Um, She started as, uh, well, she's from Rotherham and she's really proud to have forged a very successful journalism career outside London. Uh, She started out as a reporter on local papers including the Mansfield, Chad, Derbyshire Times and Lancashire Evening Post before joining the BBC Trainee Scheme and uh, working as a broadcast journalist on the live live news teams on BBC Breakfast. If you remember that roving red sofa during the 2019 election going around the country, that was Danielle's life for a few weeks. She's currently living in Manchester and in March she went freelance to join the new daily magazine show Steph's Packed Lunch on Channel 4 uh, which is based in Leeds. Hi, Danielle. Hi. So Nicola, I'm going to come to you
0: first. Um, what would your one tip be for journalists thinking about um, whether it's possible to move outside London or indeed start outside London and how to still get lots of work? Um,
2: yeah, so my tip would be, um, i was sort of more thinking of people who were sort of in my boat of being in London but wanting to leave. Um, so my, my, my tip is just to do it. (laughs) I wish I'd done it earlier. Um, and also, but when you do get outside, um, just get in touch with all the editors that you've worked for and just let them know that you're no longer in London. Because what I found is that most people, I mean, I realized that I could definitely do it when I was speaking to editors and they were like, um, anything you bring us, please don't bring us a London story. We've got too much London the newspaper, I mainly work for nationals, Um, and so I was always looking for stories outside London anyway, but what I did when I first moved uh, back to Shropshire was uh, contact all the editors I've worked with before and just say, hey, I'm now um, in Shropshire, I can cover the Midlands and like North Wales, Um, so if you need me for anything, just let me know, and then I had a few phone calls with editors like, oh great, And um, from that, I got a commission. I didn't even pitch it. I just got a commission to go to Birmingham to do a story um, just because I'd emailed to let them know where I was in the country and that I was willing to travel to Birmingham. It was easy for me to get there. Um, So yeah, that's my top tip is just to make people aware of where you are and that you're willing to cover, you know, where you can cover, what kind of areas you can cover. Um, And yeah, if you work for the nationals, they're always, always looking for people to bring them stories that aren't in London because they're always being accused of being too London centric in their, in their pages. Uh, and that goes for online as well, because at Post, I was always trying to find stories that weren't London as well. So,
1: so yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, it comes back to that point. There are stories everywhere, aren't there? Um, what about you, Danielle? I know you did a sh- kind of short stint in London as part of your BBC training, but it was always, and I remember this when I was teaching you, it was always your plan to stay up north. Um, So do you think opportunities outside London are, are increasing? What would be your kind of advice to anyone graduating now?
3: yeah it definitely to me i'm obviously in the north but i have worked in sort of Birmingham and Mansfield and sort of other areas um, in England but it feels like the mood is changing and like more stuff is coming up obviously channel four's just moved it feels like there really is this shift to try and not be so London centric so i think the thing for me that i'd say to people is it's a really sort of a really basic one and it's just about keeping up contact because the one thing i've learned is if you are in the north obviously it's a much smaller pool of people um, and you do a really good job and you keep in touch with people you'll get recommended for whatever's coming up next Um, and you know all that all the kind of stuff um, you'll get to know about what's going to happen you'll get to throw your name in for for some of the best jobs and it feels like when all that stuff comes up if you're already here and you're deep rooted in it you're going to be one of the best people to choose.
1: And can I ask you Danielle about kind of working freelance as a broadcast journalist because we get asked about this quite a lot but Lillian like our background is print so you went kind of freelance in March was that because you'd heard about this opportunity and kind of wanted to throw your hat in the ring?
3: Yeah so I think after the election last year you know I absolutely loved working on it but in January I was ready I was getting itchy to do something else and I really really enjoyed working in a national newsroom I love broadcasting nationally but my worry was I didn't think there'd be much other national stuff outside London which is totally wrong. There's so much going on. Um, And then obviously Channel 4 did its big move. So I was keeping my eyes very, you know, very much open to what was going on. And then when I found out that one of the presenters I was already working with was going to be starting her own programme, it was just a no-brainer. But yeah, so then I basically then found out that that was happening lots of of broadcast stuff was coming up um and then I was actually you know recommended to to go for the job and and to get it um so yeah so I decided to go freelance at the worst possible time (laughs) at the very beginning of a global pandemic um and it was a rocky start to the freelance world of broadcasting but I've managed to do it the whole time so you know even in hard times up north broadcasting I've managed to do it yeah Yeah, it's really good
0: Yeah, it is good to hear and it's it's really interesting to kind of hear it from the the broadcast perspective. And I wonder, just Nicola, just coming back to you, um, I mean, why did you decide to move out of London and and was that always your plan?
2: Well, actually, when I first um, moved to London... I was living in Spain at the time, I was teaching English abroad, um, and I wasn't doing that as like a gap year, it was actually my job for like three and a half years, I was like fully qualified no. and everything. I have to say that because people think, oh it's just a gap year thing, but it was actually my career, <laughs> I was a career changer because I actually started in the arts, um, and I, I realised that I wanted to... Um, retrain as a journalist I you know it's been my lifelong ambition and um, I was sort of too scared to do it in my early 20s um and so I mean this is a little bit embarrassing but basically what I did was I googled how to get a job at the Guardian as a journalist <laughs> and um I found the Scott Trust bursary and decided um I just made it my mission I was like I'm gonna get that bursary and so I just I'd never wanted to live in London. And this was when I was like 29. Well, loads of my friends had moved there, you know, straight from uni. Um, I'd moved to Brighton and then I went back to my hometown briefly. Well, actually it was for two years in the end. And then I went abroad. Um, so it would never been part of my plan to live in London, to be honest. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so I I read what requirements you needed to get the Scott Trust bursary. And I realised that I had to get three months worth of journalism experience um and so I've managed to find an internship with Positive News um and that meant I had to move to London and then I it was unpaid at the time they do pay their interns now but um it was unpaid and so I and had no money didn't know anyone in London so I um a job in a boarding school and so I was looking after young people and nights and weekends and just basically working 24 hours a day um so I didn't see much of London for like the first two years I had no money and then I did get into it a bit when I started to have a little bit more money but I'd always wanted to live in my hometown I saw that's where I was settling and I would settle down and when it started to get towards my mid-30s I was like Oh, I really don't want to live in London for the rest of my life. All my friends were leaving. Um, and, and also I wanted to try and buy a house. It was never, ever going to happen in London. <laughs> it's just impossible um, for me. Um, and then I actually got offered a job as the Midlands correspondent for Half Post, but then it got, um, it got uh, frozen. I was like a hiring freeze. So suddenly I lost out on that. And I'd been thinking I'd move to Birmingham. And so I was quite excited about that. So I've got loads of friends in Birmingham. Um, and so I just, because I it was so disappointing, I thought I had to stay in London. I just decided to go freelance and basically do it anyway. But it did take me until the pandemic to actually do it. <laughs> I was too scared, basically. That's why I thought I'd um, yeah lose all my, like, like, I, just, I don't know, I don't know why I was so scared because it's so stupid. I know, I know loads of people who don't live in London, but it was, it was really worrying for me. I was like, oh no, I'm not gonna be in the thick of it. I think it's because I do go to a lot of events. So actually the pandemic's been a brilliant leveler on that front.
1: Yeah, yeah. and I don't, I don't think that's gonna come back in the way that it did. I think everybody's used to kind of people being dotted around a bit more and not all having to be based in the capital.
2: Yeah, definitely. And also, um, I was doing, before I went to Huff post. I was working at The Guardian basically full time, but I was essentially a casual. Um, and so I was too scared to leave because I was like, well, I won't be able to get any shifts outside London. Um, and then when I went freelance, I was like, right, I need to make sure I don't rely too much on shifts, but, uh, I still do shifts at The Guardian on the news desk and that's because everyone's at home. So it's worked out perfectly for me.
1: <laughs> um, so yeah it's uh, yeah I mean, it's even when i moved, I, thought. I sort of moved you know to sheffield what 13 years ago something like that and i thought and um, that would be the end of sh- any shift work um and it wasn't they yeah. just get me to do shifts from home yeah. because i'm in a niche and i think i one thing that i didn't really value properly at the time was how much they might you know need me because there aren't many of me doing what i do So it is about kind of finding your value, like Lily says, whether that's kind of coming up with local stories or.
0: Yeah. And I think, like you say, things have changed, haven't they now? And even, uh, I mean, I do shift work as well, and I'm aware that they will probably be going back into the office in the new year. Um, But I'm not sure they're going to make all the freelance staff come into the office now because it's been working remotely we've all got used to that and i think they'll find it harder to to actually find people that are willing to do that now um so yeah there's definitely kind of been a shift um in attitude i mean danielle you have sort of touched on this a little bit already but i mean what do you see as the kind of benefits of being based outside of london
3: so I think yeah it is something I did already touch on it's that sort of you stand out more you do a better job um, you know you you are shown to be doing a, a better job you get noticed you stand out and you get recommended for the jobs. But I also think as well like obviously I'm talking outside London I've lived in um, Preston, I've lived in Birmingham, I've lived in Manchester, I've lived in Sheffield I've lived in lots of different cities so I can just say you know it's not just the the north because birmingham was brilliant but i just it's the people and it's i absolutely love being a northerner and you know even if it's something as simple as going out on the streets gathering vox pops being able to speak the same language as the people you <laughs> to get to talk it just works wonders whether that's a really gritty human interest interview whether it's grabbing someone on the street whether it's you know trying to get a hard news line from someone i, d- I do really feel like you know the more we can just diversify all different types of people in all different locations outside of the London centric bubble I think it's just got so many benefits but any wherever people are listening it helps you to tell stories better.
0: Yeah definitely um and that yeah and, and like you say it's that diversity isn't it across kind of everything um you know types types of people from different types of places um yeah, I get really cross when I see things. There's a certain organization that keeps posting about events that used to have a lot of events in London and they still seem to kind of be harking back to the days of their London events. And oh, it's just like, can we just please move on from this? Yeah. It is, It is. Um, yeah, it is quite frustrating. And the other thing I find, I don't know if, if Nicola, you found this. Um, that everyone assumes you live in London as well. You know, it's not even a case of people ask, like PRs always assume I live in London and they always say, you know, will you meet me for coffee? And I'm like, well, you know, are you coming up to Market Harbour then? Um, Not that I would meet them anyway, but do you find that? Is there an assumption from the outside world that you're in London?
2: Definitely. Um, Yeah, I've had a few times of that. Oh, well, next time you're in London but I mean it was during the pandemic so I was like well I'm not going to come down just to meet you no offense Um, (laughs) I intend to go down to London regularly when you know all this is kind of over Um, but yeah I would I'm going to go down and you know fill my days meeting people rather than um, just go down for a random person who probably isn't going to be that useful and also what's wrong with the phone Um, I've managed to have you know a really good um this is an editor so it's not pr but normally you know i try and go for coffee with an editor um but i i had a really great conversation with um an editor a few weeks ago for the observer um and yeah that was it was perfect it's like there it wasn't it was just like to the point like exactly what she was looking for what i could help her with and you know what i should be pitching basically um, it was just great conversation, really helpful, got to know her a little bit because you have to build the relationship, obviously. Um, so, yeah, what's the, wh- why, why do we have to, um, yeah, be in London and <laughs> it's so stressful in London. Like, I mean, I love London, but like you said earlier about the commute, it's just awful. Like, I can't believe I did it for a year and a half at Huffer Post because it was like an hour from my house every day. It's just awful. Especially the seven AM shifts, I just couldn't handle
1: it. (laughs) Yeah, by the time by the time we left London, I mean, I just hated it by the time. And I think, you know, when you're young, and I was kind of meeting, making lots of friends, and in my first jobs, and and kind of just going out after work because you couldn't be bothered to try and get home, you just go straight out after work. And you know, it was great. I did make some connections, but I was on a pretty good salary and never had any money, and we were living in a one bedroom flat. Um, by the end. And, you know, financial consideration is not an insignificant part of why we're talking about this. Um, When I moved up, I mean, I don't think we would have ever been able to buy a house in London. And we both have really good incomes. Like I don't, um, and I think we, I remember when we first moved, we had a massive three bedroomed house that we couldn't even fill with whatever we'd managed from us over the years. Who filled yeah, it with children. So. The rent was cheaper than we'd been paying on this one bedroom box in zone three.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: so, yeah. A, a cellar
2: here. It's so exciting. <laughs> Got a garden, a cellar, a shed, a spare room to be an office. And I was living in a studio flat in London. So my bed was in the same room as my living living room. <laughs> I just can't get over it. I still can't go over it. Sometimes I I do lunges in the living room. I'm like, look at all this space I've got. I just can't believe I didn't do this sooner. It just doesn't make any sense. Um, And there's still loads going on in Shrewsbury. Obviously, we've got the pandemic, so, you know, it's a bit different. But, but yeah, there's, like, loads of really cool bars and, and restaurants here. And it's easy to get to Birmingham like I just um, I think it's I mean I've always everyone's always said to me like I've never met someone who's more like obsessed with their hometown than you are so it's <laughs> so it's uh, it was it was always going to happen that I was finally going to move back so yeah i was just really glad I've been so busy work-wise since I since I moved back and everyone's like oh how's it going I'm like yeah I haven't if anything I'm earning more <laughs> I hate to say that in the middle of pandemic but you know
0: we are, yeah new cost of living will be less won't it so
2: i've been I have been doing really well i'm I've surprised myself like, i'm really really grateful and uh yeah I'm, I'm just really happy that I did this
1: did you have loads of those comments from kind of people of yeah. um when you moved out like worried for your future
2: well when i when I was going to move up to Birmingham for the um like the promotion that never happened um <laughs> people were like, "Oh, why, why are you gonna leave London? Oh my God, they thought, they were almost giving me sympathy for being offered this great job. And I was like, really excited about it. I was like, this is great. I have a whole patch of, um, there's so much going on, it never gets covered. Um, and especially because the Midlands just gets forgotten about with the North and the South, the arguments that are going on. Um,
1: your sound just disappeared there did you put your Nicola? hand over, did you put your hand over the mic did I I was just <laughs> I was just going to ask um Danielle actually kind of how I mean when Lily told me that you were now working on Steph's Pat Lunch, that made total sense to me I was like that I can very very much see Danielle doing that I think she would be absolutely great at that do you kind of how much have you felt that you've just been able to kind of forge your own path and make, like, this is what I want to do. I'm not kind of in a rat race following, like, from one step to the other, but I'm really thinking about what suits me and how yeah. I
3: can... Yeah, like, I did, it, like, I've done so much thinking about this kind of stuff because, uh, for me, it's like I've been trying to work out where it is I'm going and what it is I want to do and how I get there quite a lot. Um, but it's, I suppose it's, it's a bit of a weird one for me to answer. I think that every job that you go on... Um, Every job that you do, whether it's you write articles for someone, whether it's you doing shifts or whether you're actually taking a longer contract or a staff job, every job you go on, I think you go on a bit of a journey and you meet people and you make the contacts. Um, And then I think that wherever you really want to live, it doesn't matter because I think that it you'll forge it you'll go with the flow but it's like also during the pandemic um so I was looking for work for a little while I was thinking oh what am I going to do and I've been offered jobs in London to work remotely from wherever I am and you think making telly that sounds impossible um but you know I've actually been offered the jobs doing it and it's really worked out does that sort of answer the question I don't know if that did it's just because with that cutting out then
1: yeah, it did. And I think it's actually, um, I was kind of listening uh, to a producer at the BBC um, on a webinar kind of early on in the pandemic, talking about um, how they'd been putting all their packages together remotely. So this was for kind of the medical editor at the BBC. And I used to work in their office. And so I kind of remember kind of what it was like being there and then putting their packages together, but they'd managed to do it kind of remotely and how the cameramen working and how their editors are working it was kind of amazing to think that and this was you know within a week two weeks they'd switch to figure out how they were going to do this
3: yeah um, and at the at the height of the first lockdown I just helped launch uh, the Steph show which was like the little lockdown version um of of you know the sort of first program we launched which was lives from Steph's house which is absolutely brilliant yeah, pretty- I watched it <laughs> it was amazing Um, but the thing is we were a brand new program and we couldn't send cameramen out like the BBC still could with news and so the one thing I found I was doing a hell of a lot of which was mad is the world seems to have gotten used to using mobile phones and seeing like user generated footage Um, and I remember being on the phone for about three hours um, directing a package getting a family to film themselves (laughs) and film the thing and I edited and we edited the whole thing together and it was it was a beautiful little piece but the hadn't even been a cameraman and it's just like amazing that people were able to to step in and do it so yeah even during the pandemic you know wherever people were we were still able to make tv with them even without a cameraman which seems bonkers
0: (laughs) do you still feel though that there is an expectation that at some point you'll go to london yeah, I do feel a little bit like
3: yeah. When you when I speak to my friends and things, oh, when I did mastin in London, and it's like when I was working at the BBC based in Salford, I did like a, a little secondment where I went to London. Um, I was still very much based in Salford, but I was in London for three months, and it was whilst I was there that I made a very you know it wasn't even just a conscious decision; it was like an informed decision to never do it and never do like a proper stint there because I just think everybody thinks that you need to,
1: but I'm on a mission to prove that you just really don't. (laughs) I wish I'd done that. (laughs) Yeah, and when I think back, um, there are so many opportunities that I've had since moving to Sheffield that I wouldn't have had in London. So even the teaching. So now I'm an associate lecturer at Sheffield Hallam. I started teaching at the University of Sheffield because an old tutor of mine knew that I was moving back and needed someone to teach some science students because he hated doing it and you know that that wouldn't have happened kind of sometimes you just have to take that chance because there are jobs and things that you um didn't you know you hadn't thought of I did some work in the communications department at Leeds University that was like a massive piece of work because they were kind of looking for somebody you know fairly local who could do that and it that had come through some work that I'd done at Sheffield University with some editing. So it's just really random how these kind of threads all lead to each other. And it can sometimes be hard to envisage it, I think. I think you've probably seen this, Nicola. But actually, as soon as you just get stuck in and do it,
2: yeah,
1: it's absolutely fine. As long as yeah. you're doing the job, that's the thing. People only care that you're delivering what they're, as- they're asking of you. Yeah, Anything else definitely. is irrelevant.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah. I've, I never mentioned to anyone where I live, like, it's never even... Come up, even when I started. It, I mean, I know I said I was working for local publications, but I was still writing a lot for um, Guardian Money at the time, and literally it never came up in conversation like where I was based. Um, and I so I think people do worry about something that doesn't kind of exist, especially when you're freelance. Actually because people are just looking for good ideas um it's, it's kind of irrelevant you know obviously your pitch needs to be relevant to their audience but their audience is not kind of London unless it's you know a
1: London specific publication it's it's the UK so um it's a really good point and I know lots of freelancers and have met lots of freelancers through our group who don't live in London they live all over the place so yeah, yeah
2: I'm actually still doing a massive project for the Evening Standard, which is very much based in London. <laughs> <I> haven't <laughs> been there for like six months, um, but it just hasn't been a problem at all. And even if I, even if there was no pandemic and I'd done this anyway, um, I, it's only a it's a monthly thing, so I would have just gone down to London for the interviews once a month, and it wouldn't have been a problem. Um, but it's all been over the phone and or, or on Zoom um and I even spoke to my editor and said you know by the way I have left London um she was like oh it doesn't matter like because people in London cover stuff in other parts of the country all the time so why can't I cover stuff that's going on in London I know it really well <laughs> and actually
1: um, so many people who work in London don't live in London that's the other point to make as well when I was BBC there was someone who commuted from the Isle of Wight <laughs> wow <laughs> that's
2: dedication I love that
1: yeah I mean it's yeah I mean I suppose one thing
0: I have noticed, and the pandemic in some way has kind of neutralized this, but is in terms of networking and those events, they are always in london um and I know there are you know there are some Facebook groups as like a freelance journalist in the north group um but in terms of like physical events to go to, it has been quite difficult to kind of find things. are not in London. I think at one point I did kind of moot the idea of setting up a sort of East Midlands kind of group, um, because that's where I'm based. Um, But I guess now all of that's kind of obsolete anyway, because, you know, we're never going to see each other in person ever again. So... (laughs) feels feel like that i've I've been using social media so
3: much though like for all the virtual events joining like zooms and things there's like so many great pages out there isn't there for like um freelance journalists uk or um northern tv producers as one i'm part of and it's just like the events are actually happening virtually now so we need to make the most of it from wherever we are yeah Yeah, and i
1: think if people find it useful they're going to continue aren't they so yeah that's it i think it's kind of forced people's
0: hand really to um Kind of think a bit differently about how you network and and meet up if you are not kind of all in one place it's
2: definitely possible though um and i i'm yeah you just have to sort of throw yourself into it i'm in i'm in loads of groups i mean facebook groups um and i sort of use them all for different sort of things but then i'm also in like two i think slack slack community communities for freelance journalists and in one of them i because I did have a sort of part-time job at a social enterprise, which I left in September. Um, although it was actually freelance. Um, so I just announced in one of the groups, like, Oh, I've sort of gone fully freelance, like in the middle of a pandemic. Ah, And um, somebody I used to work with saw that message and just offered me some work straight away. Um, and it was doing some social media stuff. Um, and then that's, she's like they thought I did a good job so they've offered me more work so that was like a tiny bit of networking that's landed me enough work to sort of get me through to um, probably the end of the month (laughs) 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 but still it's really good so so yeah like there's loads that you just have to throw yourself into all the different groups introduce yourself and don't be afraid to sort of um yeah like ask for help if you need it um I think that's when people make proper connections and I've got friends who I haven't even met in real life now um through these groups and through social media um it's amazing there's also loads of whatsapp groups going on I'm in like at least three of those
0: (laughs) yeah I'm not on any whatsapp groups I keep kind of thinking "Mm, are these like secret groups how do you get into them I just saw some tweets and
2: one of them was just like, I'm thinking, I just want some, a space to like rant when like an editor does something like changes the brief when you've written it or, you know, stuff like that. And uh, does anyone want to do it? And at the time I was in a really bad mood about something that happened. So I was like, me, I don't even know this person in real life. Um, And so she just like DM'd me and said, oh, a few people have said yes. So she started a WhatsApp group um, called Ranty Journalists.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so, yeah, I just I just message Emma. Or
2: well, you can start one, start your own. Like that's the other thing as well. Like I mean, this is when I was teaching English, but um when I was in Bilbao there were no groups or anything. So I just started my own on Facebook and at first there was just me and my colleague and I was like keep posting resources because I wanted it to look like really vibrant when people did actually join. And now it's got I mean it's still going now. It's got hundreds of people in it. So yeah, just start your own if, if you can't find one that fits your It's your niche Maybe I'll start one for people in
0: Shropshire, see if I can get friends. (laughs) Shropshire freelance journalists. (laughs) (laughs) The thing is, there are more than you realise. I mean, I know where I live, there um there is an editor of an online magazine, lives in Market Harbor, which is a tiny town with like, you know, we're talking tens of thousands. Um, and I discovered another freelance journalist the other day, and I was a bit like Hang on, I'm the only freelance journalist at Market Hub. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, <laughs> there are actually others. Um, so, yeah, yeah, they, we do get everywhere. Right, I think that might be a good point to um, introduce our kind of little new section. So, we, we're going to start doing a listener dilemma of the week. Um, so, we're asking our listeners to put questions to our guests to fix a problem they've been having um or we're gonna kind of give our thoughts on issues that we've seen kind of flagged
1: up in in our facebook community as well yeah so this week very very timely and wasn't at all we didn't ask but this week um michelle asked a very relevant post on our facebook community uh so we thought we'd give our advice on it here so she is in the final year of an english degree her dream job is to be a news anchor or political reporter she lives in East Yorkshire, and for personal reasons, she's unable to move at the moment. She wants to know if her dream is actually achievable. She has already had lots of work published in national magazines. So she kind of was asking, should she stick to freelancing, maybe while having another job, or try to get a traineeship with the likes of the BBC, although practically she wouldn't be able to go to London or Manchester. Um. So yeah, let's give her, I mean, I'll I'll start the ball ball rolling by saying, it can take a while to get to what your dream job might be. There might be a few, there's not necessarily one route to that either. So there might be a few kind of steps along the way. And as long as you're kind of still gaining experience and, and contacts and doing the work in the area that you want to work in, you know, just joining the BBC trainee scheme is not the only route into doing what she wants to do. Um, so Danielle what because you did actually do that but after working on local papers first so yeah what would what would your advice be to Michelle?
3: So I yeah so I wanted to get onto the training scheme and I do, and I didn't get it and I thought oh my god it's the end of the world what am I going to do um, and what I did is I started freelancing so I did my local radio station and uh, my lo- local newspaper nearby um, and I worked in a nightclub um, I was cleaning loo's. I was serving drinks, um, and I was trying to squeeze in the freelance shifts. That didn't go on for very long because then I started picking up the shifts, got a good reputation, um, and it sort of just set, it just set going from there. It's a sort of domino effect. So I think my main, I think my main piece of advice would probably be um, to just keep going. The jobs are there wherever you want to be. I did end up doing the the trainee scheme and it was amazing and I loved it, but I could move and I wanted to move. Um, But what you've got to remember is there are so many other things that might be near you, whether it's your local BBC station, whether it's commercial radio, whether it's local newspapers or whether actually it's something national that's nearby or something else that's not nearby where you can just do it remotely. Um, So I just think you know, if the jobs are out there, Whatever your path is, like the path that you the path that you take is never going to be the one that you think it's going to be. Um, so if you if I thought right, I wanted to end up at the BBC, um, and that's what I wanted to do, and that was my goal. I ended up working on local newspapers. I ended up moving to press. I ended up doing all sorts. And I was just ticking off a list of things that I needed to do to get to my dream job, if that made sense. So I think you need to just do what you can where you are you know within your realm with whatever you think is possible and each you know each little token you get to add you up to get you to the to where you want to be will get you there eventually so it's small steps I think is what I'm trying to say
1: yeah Nicola I mean I think she was um it comes back to what you were saying about the stories are everywhere so she's in East Yorkshire she should take advantage and find those local stories that nobody else is kind of looking for or has come across and kind of build up a niche that way perhaps
2: yeah definitely I mean if um, politics is her thing, obviously politics is, you know, there's polit- politicians everywhere because there are MPs all over the country and also local councillors. And um, and those are like a goldmine of, of stories. Um, you can do um, things like FOIs um, that often staff journalists just don't have time to actually do. Um, you can, you're, you're able to go to like maybe the local council meetings if there's like something juicy going on, whereas now there's hardly any, because um, this is the problem, J- like national papers used to have so many um, correspondents outside of, of uh, London who covered like, who had their own patch and everything and um it's just been decimated so there's a real chance i mean was it um yorkshire there's it's so yorkshire. much going on in yorkshire <laughs> yeah. so um so yeah that's that can be sort of become your niche sort of political stories in yorkshire um and just yeah just keep going and um and i yeah just re- everything you guys just said reminded me of that steve jobs quote where you can't connect the dots going forward you can only connect them going looking back um so like I'm still not in my exactly where I want to be, but I know every little thing that I'm doing is helping me sort of get there eventually. But I've taken some really random routes to get where I've gone. I mean, I was once the London correspondent for the Christian Science Monitor, like a US magazine, which is totally random. Just said, yes, it was great experience. Um, And that was like me looking at the UK as a place, like my whole patch to find stories that would interest audiences in America quite a lot of that was political actually and I hadn't done any of that in um, when I worked at the Guardian um, so like just looking out for Opportunities like that where it doesn't matter where you where you live. Uh, you can do them remotely and um, and yeah, saying yes to lots of things. Like I just said yes to that randomly. I was like, offered it. <laughs> I was like, I don't even know what this is. I've never really done analysis, but I, I went for it. So I was doing like, yeah, political analysis. <laughs> um. So yeah, just, just get as much experience as, as you can by saying yes to a lot of things. And um, I think this is a perfect time as well because everything has gone online. So this is the perfect time to apply for jobs and say, would you mind if I work remotely because they're probably going to say yes at this point um so even if you know in a year's time they all want you back in the office um you'll still get some experience in the meantime so
1: yeah I mean I think um it's really hard to envisage when you just graduate what you're going to end up doing and what that route is going to look like I I really struggled with that I kind of yeah. Couldn't see, I could see kind of what my end goal was, but I couldn't quite see how I was going to do it. And I think the, the one thing to really remember is there is that kind of traditional route of university or kind of local paper apprenticeship, and then kind of stepping through a very kind of traditional up to the nationals, perhaps that just doesn't exist anymore. No. Not or not, at least not, at least it does exist in some cases, but there are so many different routes. Um, and yeah I think people are looking for different experiences and diversity so go with that Lily would you yeah I mean I think everyone's pretty much
0: kind of covered it all really um and it's just yeah not being fixated on there is only one way to do this job um and just kind of writing down like all your different options and then working out what is kind of best for you right now if you if you do have restrictions if you can't move then you know find the solution that that does work for you and it'll be different for everybody so you know it's just being aware that that there is no kind of one solution um i think that's the key thing right well i think Hopefully that's um, been some useful advice for Michelle and um, we're going to wrap things up there. It's been really great to be back. We've been really looking forward to getting back on the air. Um, and we've got loads of interesting topics coming up over the coming weeks. Um, if you want to know more about what's coming up and the various projects we've got going, then please sign up to our newsletter. Um, you can find it on Substack. Um, And there's also more information
1: about everything at our website, freelancingforjournalists.com. So as usual, we will um, put all the resources mentioned today in the show notes. I should have said we have a work experience working with a person working with freelancing for journalists at the moment. So Judith has been studiously taking notes um, and she will uh, put those show notes together for everybody if you want to get in touch to suggest ideas for topics or you've got a question that you want us to answer in our listener dilemma section um, then you can email us at freelancingforjournalists at gmail.com or messages on twitter at freelancing 4 you can also follow us individually i'm at lily Cantor. and i'm at emma journo and
0: don't forget that you can join our freelancing for journalists facebook community where you'll find lots more tips and advice
1: Um, And if you appreciate the podcast or you found it useful, you can buy us a virtual cuppa to say thanks. Our coffee page is our pinned tweet on Twitter. And we're getting lots of new listeners all the time. But don't forget to
0: like, rate and subscribe to the podcast because it helps people to find us.
1: And the most useful thing you could do if you have a spare minute is to leave us a review. Yes, that would be. We would be very grateful. Uh, Thanks again to our producer, Richard Wilson, who sorts out any edits for us uh, after the record. And
0: just to let you know that next week we will be talking about sports journalism. But goodbye for now. Bye.